Hi, welcome to the BioBoom Podcast. I'm Troy. And I'm Chris. And today we are talking about Love and Thunder, the highly anticipated sequel to Ragnarok. Thor Ragnarok was great. My favorite MC movie. I know it's up there for you, man. I thought Love and Thunder was going to be great. And it was. Taika Waititi did it again. For me, it wasn't great. What? <laughs> but it was good. You know, like you said, Ragnarok is, is, is up there for me. But there were some parts of, of the plot and the pacing just because it was so short that it didn't quite live up to Ragnarok. That doesn't mean it's a bad movie, but... And we've talked about this. I think I'm at, like, MCU fatigue where, you know, these movies don't mean anything really to the characters or even the greater MCU. So they don't feel good <laughs> i really liked ragnarok just because of um the way it, it took the character to a different place meant a lot personally to him but also was something different this one i think some of the jokes are kind of like like are worn out <laughs> yeah i think the mjolnir and stormbreaker kind of jokes they there's maybe one too many one too many. And with me, the amount of times he refers to himself as a space Viking just reminds me of like when they make fun of the fact that Spider-Man is called Spider-Man and has what it's just like, yeah, I think the and this is just a problem with all Marvel movies. I think before, like when MCU first started, they did such a like they had to work so hard to make these things believable and um make people believe in it now it's gotten to the point where it's so like self-referential and that they can't even like it's like we get it yes he is a space viking i don't need to hear that every like this is the fourth movie i get it i i believe it already (laughs) but you know despite those complaints i thought you know there's some really like intimate moments um we get to see jane and thor um, in their relationship, I think that's part of like, you know, some of my favorite parts. The opening with the Guardians of the Galaxy is some of my favorite like Marvel stuff, period. But, you know, I, I definitely think it it is no Ragnarok. It, it's not. And I think one reason that one reason for me that really pulled it back from being able to reach the levels of Ragnarok is. And I'm going to say this just because I, I do music is is the music like. There was a lot of Guns N' Roses music in this, and it kind of felt sometimes just like a giant Guns N' Roses music video. And the the music in Ragnarok really like brought me more into the plot, whereas the music in this one kind of like pulled me out of it a little bit. So there were some funny parts that like they really were digging into the Guns N' Roses stuff, and it was funny. And the the fight scene with November Rain was cool, but overall, like it was that's definitely something that like kept it, I think, from like being as good as Ragnarok was. It was it's just too much guns and roses. Not just too much uh guns and roses, just too many needle drops, you know. Again, it just at a certain point it had taken what was great about Ragnarok and like does what sequel do, they just continue to do it, but more and bigger. And I think in this instance, being that Ragnarok really was a comedy, comedy sequels are never great. <laughs> it's it's good. You know, I, I love the direction they've taken Thor just because I, I didn't find them interesting before Ragnarok. But, you know, I do get some, you know, why some people are upset that, you know, he's been turned into a joke because in an instance like this, where you have a very serious villain like Christian Bale's Gore the God Butcher, it's... It's hard to contrast that with, you know, 
Like he does that kind of villain doesn't really belong in a comedy. Yeah, he's so dark and there there needed to be a tone of seriousness with it, which I do think they've developed throughout the movie, especially as Thor was realizing Jane was dying. I think it could have maybe been a little bit more serious or like emphasized how serious he was, but like the the ending scene where he's like kind of like telling Jane she has to stay in bed. It's like, all right, cool, we're at a good spot for some seriousness and like the thing was though that that was like the climax a little bit of her arc a little bit and i was thinking oh no we're gonna have a little bit more coming up soon and it's gonna get even more serious and then there'll be like a confrontation but it just kind of like it it hit its peak right there and i was like oh yeah it's, it's definitely a comedy they're not gonna like increase that seriousness or like add more value to it that way yeah, and talking about like gore, like the the way the the movie the the setup of the movie is, you know, at the very beginning we see Gore Christian Bale's Gore on his planet, very close to um, his origins in the comic book. He's with his daughter. He's praying, you know, for his God to uh, save them, and then his daughter dies, and he does encounter his God in front of um, the wielder of the Necro Sword and. From that moment, you know, he sees how how selfish his God is, although he had given his life and his daughter's life to um, worshiping them. His prayers were never answered and he vows to kill all gods. And that's the that's the setup. And that's what brings Thor into it as he was with the Guardians of the Galaxy. You know, they're running into events where everyone's gods are are dying and there's distress calls all around the galaxy, which seem scary and interesting, but that's immediately like dropped (laughs) Um, because Gore decides that he has to find eternity to wish that all gods are dead even though he has no problem killing many gods. (laughs) Yeah, but I think they kind of... Okay, they didn't do the best job of, like, linking those ideas together, I think. But we see, like, later on in the movie, he knows he has to get to Thor to open the Bifrost to get to eternity. And this seems like killing these lesser gods was just the entire setup, just to get Thor's attention and then be able to get his hammer or Stormbreaker and then be able to get to eternity to make quick work of it. Because even Zeus later on is like, yeah, dude, they can't get to us. We're totally fine. And Gore probably knew that. He's like, all right, the only way I can get to them is just, I got to get the, got to get Stormbreaker so then I can take care of all of them in one, one fell swoop. Yeah. But in, in the, you know, not to be like, oh, the comics, but uh, <laughs> like he's a little scarier because he does get to gods like that. He does get to places where you're like, oh, my God. And also like when he's, you know, when he decides to go like nuclear, it he had fought Thor enough where it felt like, oh, my God, this is the only option. Because, again, to me, it felt like Gore was having no problem killing any gods. And if the plan all along was to get Thor, Thor should have been the first god he killed. <laughs> or he would have went to New Asgard, messed stuff up, kidnapped the kids. They would have figured out a way to contact Thor, and then he would have got involved somehow. Yeah, but it's a movie, man. Like It's a movie, yeah. <laughs> but, but that's what I'm saying. Like 
we're, we're trying to like, you know, fill in those holes. But the reality, like the more you kind of think about it, the more you're like, well, like at the end when he, he, you know, he gets to eternity and then Thor's like, hey, I don't know if you know this, but you can actually like wish your daughter back. And he's like, oh, shit, I can. Yeah, but I think at that point it was because of the the sword had corrupted him so much that maybe that's not what he realized that's what he could do. No, I mean, again, that is like a line thrown in like right before he's about to go into eternity. It's like, oh, he's dying. He's being corrupted by the Necro Sword. It's like, I think that kind of diminishes like him as a villain because it's like, hey, he had a very valid reason to take that vow to say, I'm going to kill all gods. And the Necro Sword, yeah, it enhances some of those feelings and stuff, but like... Again, I don't think he's dumb <laughs> and he's just like, oh, like the whole thing was was his daughter, you know, so I, I don't know. It just it felt like and again, it's because the movie is short too. some of these things are make like leaps. Not that he turned into a good guy, but it almost felt like that scene almost felt like the, the Martha scene in Batman versus Superman It was like, wait, you're just trying to kill everyone. And now you're just like, oh, yeah, like I wish my daughter back and, you know. Have a good time. Yeah, okay. First off, it's definitely more logical than the Martha scene in Batman. Way more logical than that. You cannot get lower than illogical when you're talking about the Martha Batman versus Superman scene. Like, (laughs) it doesn't make sense. And we can reason enough that this does make sense, that he made this choice. He was dying. He doesn't have the necromancer sword any anymore. So he's like, look, if I if I'm gonna die, like wouldn't it just be easier to like let my daughter be able to live? So like there's some reasoning you can do for it, but like the thing is like good writing means you don't have to do reasoning to a certain extent. And like you said, it's so short. Before we started recording, I was like, dude, it's only like I thought it was like two hours and ten minutes. Like, dude, it's only an hour and 45 minutes. I was like, crap. Maybe maybe because I am including the preview time, which is 20 minutes. But yeah, they they move really fast through it. But still, they had some, of course, great jokes, great moments, some great characters in it. Uh, I really loved what they did with Valkyrie and bringing her back and giving her a pretty good amount of time, like in the spotlight. And she gets to do those Old Spice commercials, which I thought was hilarious. My favorite line is when she's like, I'm Team Jane, just like you, Thor. I was like, yes, that's that's comic book accurate. Yeah, as usual, um, my favorite part was Quark. And, you know, Natalie Portman as as the mighty Thor, as as Jane Foster. It was cool to see her back, but um, it was, like, weird to see her, like, cracking jokes all the time. Yeah. (laughs) Just because she had, you know, she was out of the MCU for a bit. And... You know, coming into the world of like the new world of Thor, where you know it's Taika Waititi's taste and stuff, I would have liked to see her, you know, be portrayed more in like in contrast to Thor, because it, it felt like they both were just like making the same types of jokes, and you're just like, I guess this is why you guys are a couple, but <laughs> it, it doesn't seem like it seems like you guys get along so well. How would you ever break up? <laughs> yeah, I agree. Cause I think like in the past, they kind of portrayed her as she's a very intellectual person and she's got no problem telling Thor that's a bad idea. That's kind of stupid. And with her wielding 
Mjolnir now. It's like, you know, she has the opportunity to kind of show him that she can be an even better Thor than he was and kind of like becomes a little bit of a competition, which it was at some times. But yeah, I think like the jokes kind of made that aspect of it take a backseat. It was cool though. I, I liked her, um, the way they um, enhanced Mjolnir kind of made it a little different when it'll break into pieces and, and come back and that stuff cool. like that. And obviously physically she, she transformed. She's, she's huge in this movie. So is Chris Hemsworth. I'm like, Jesus Christ, like what workout plan were they on? We she worked out for like eight months before the movie, like every day. Looks like eight years. Um, Dang. No, but it's, it's, it's a good movie. Um, like the one refreshing part actually was that it tied so little to the larger MCU that, um, you know, I was able to enjoy it for what it was. And I'm getting to the point where, you know, like maybe I should, should start enjoying these things for what they are. Cause the reality is if, you know, you build them up too much in your head, that's when you get disappointed. Yeah. I walked into this movie thinking it's Taika Waititi. It's going to be jokes. Chris Hemsworth is also like an executive producer on this one. So it's going to be lots of jokes too, but uh, I, I didn't really feel like there was going to be a lot of connection to future MCU projects really. So I was just in there for a good time. It, there were some great post-cred scenes that I think, you know, like lay out some uh, potential for the future. And we got to see, some peppering of celestials to kind of give eternal some more meaning, I guess. But like it, it was, it's a movie for a good time. Like it's a movie that like, if my girlfriend who doesn't know hardly anything about the MCU, unless I tell her what's up, if I take her to it, she'll be like, Oh yeah, that was a great movie. That was really fun. And I was an action packed and stuff. I'm like, yeah, that's what I think Thor kind of is like, He's around forever, so he doesn't have to be taken seriously for every single movie. That's true. That's true. Um, so again, uh, Ragnarok was, um, you know, it trades places as my number one MCU movie. So it was it was hard to live up to that. The expectations were, were less about the larger MCU and the way it kind of ranked up to Ragnarok and also other Taika projects because, you know, I love what we do in the shadows one of my favorite movies, also one of my favorite shows on TV. So it definitely was built up and kind of following up on, on the post-credits too. I don't know, these post-credit scenes, these last few movies have felt like very like, I don't know where this leads. Um, it makes little to no sense to me. I mean, obviously the, we've talked about spoilers the whole time, but you know, Jane being going to Valhalla, you're like, oh, like that's, you know, a nod to the comics and seeing, you know, Hamdell eventually probably becoming a Valkyrie will, will be something cool to explore in future Thor movies. I would have liked to see, you know, some setup for, um, you know, Guardians 3 being that they had such a, a cool role at the beginning. It's just, um, I don't know what any of these things are setting up, you know, and part of the MCU and the lore of it, you know, it's like you go watch the next one because you're like, oh, this they're gonna address something. A lot of the the post-credit scenes that have been happening the last few projects, it almost feels like they can very easily ignore. Yeah. I well, I don't know about ignore. I think they're mostly just trying to introduce new characters, mostly through these post-credit scenes, so that you can feel better about going and seeing a movie 
about someone that hasn't ever had one before, or you can feel a little bit more invested into a storyline that doesn't really seem that familiar. You know, of course, all the spoiler alerts, but like having Hercules show up at the end of it and him going to Earth, it's like, okay, now we've got a threat that's going to come to Earth for the future. We don't know where it's going to show up and we don't know who's going to be there to defend it. So whenever that threat kind of pops up in the future, you know, they'll use it. Is it a threat though? Hercules. I don't know. Some people from the uh that are fans of, of Thor comics were like, oh, Hercules is coming. It's like I, I really don't like in, in a world of infinity stones and you know Kangs and Lokis. Am, am I really like that like excited to see Hercules? <laughs> hey, I'm excited because I love that Roy from Ted Lasso is playing Hercules. I was like, man, that's an excellent choice. But it's more excited for you know, like. Hey, let's see this dynamic and like the comedy and and whatnot on the screen. Let's see that more so than, hey, I'm excited for what this means to the overall MCU. I'm excited because I think it's going to be a good time. Not necessarily excited for like, hey, this is going to be a great story and everything like that. I agree. Like you could forget these, forget these scenes. And that was kind of me trying to defend it, but you're also right at the same time. Yeah. Um. You know, now that you bring it up, um, uh, another beef I, I kind of had was like, no one really died <laughs> in a movie about, you know, Gord the God Butcher. He really um, killed only one God on screen. Yeah. And Thor kind of killed more, like, you know, he kind of killed more gods than him. But again, no one died. So Zeus was alive in the end. You know, when you thought Korg was about to die, you're like, oh, my God, like, this is going to be really sad. And it's like, oh, he's alive. And then when Valkyrie gets stabbed through the chest, you're like, oh, my God, she's going to die. She didn't die. And then Jane, you know, she dies. And then they go to Valhalla and you're like, oh, she didn't really die. So it, I don't know. It just took all the emotional stakes out of the movie for me because they had pulled that trick like so many times during the same movie. It's almost like the last season of Titans where everyone seems to have gotten shot in the chest, but they <laughs> they live. I, I just hate when like that is repeated in the same um, story where, you know, someone's like, oh, they're dead. No, they're not. Oh, they're dead. No, they're not. Yeah. And I think maybe because it is such a short movie, they, they were like, oh yeah, we can't really have too many people die because we haven't, introduced a lot of characters that could die but we'll have to see who can actually die in the future mcu chris Hemsworth down is down to play thor for as long as needed so i don't know if it'll be him in the end to pass up the mantle anytime soon but he has a new sidekick which i love how they tied in the title of like they called him love and thunder i was like man that's a great way for ending this movie and overall, I thought it was a pretty good movie. We both know it's not as great as Ragnarok. It's got some faults, but I still think it's a pretty good movie. Yeah, it's uh, it's fun. I think some of these movies do need a, a little more time. Yeah. I think between Ragnarok and they should have given the movie. And, you know, from what I heard, they cut a lot out. Not that I want to see like a director's cut, but, you know, I think it would have done a lot to enhance you know, Gore the God Butcher as a villain and and also, you know, Jane's journey. Because Thor at this point, you know, I think after Ragnarok, it's it's hard for his character to go anywhere. But, you know, I I'd be lying to say if I didn't have a good time watching it. Yeah. 
Well, and you can keep having a good time by listening to the Bada Boom podcast. Uh, you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen. Hit that subscribe button and tell us what you thought about Love and Thunder. Join the conversation. We're on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and recently have launched our YouTube channel. So get in the comments, let us know your thoughts. What was your favorite part about the movie? And until next time, bada boom. Bada boom.